Okay, guys, so uh, we're kind of doing some um, a style of movies we don't typically do on uh, Motion Picture Meltdown here. The erotic thriller, I guess you could call both of these. They're not erotic mm. thrillers. They're That's not, not I right. mean, they sort of are. They they, they kind of toe the line, I think. I think they totally Borderline erotic. Yeah. <laughs> you might be able to call fear an erotic thriller, but The Crush is just gross from the start. <laughs> like, right away, you're like, everything happening here is, this is fucking gross. Like, I, all that I see. I think this is a bit of a tamed-down version of an erotic thriller. Like, they, they went hard in the 80s. Yeah. You know, and then as the early 90s came in, they started toning them down a little bit. Yeah. And then they ramped back up a little in the early 2000s. Because, you know, the 90s sort of pacified a lot of shit. Right. Uh, you know. So I would I would totally count these and and I'm going to count them because that's what my question was based on today. So fuck all of you. Yeah. So erotic thrillers. What are some of our favorites that we've watched throughout the years? Sliver. Oh yeah. That is that's a, I didn't even think about that one, but that's one of the few that we actually have podcasted. Yeah. That I mean that's how I know. Otherwise, I haven't seen of this genre. I have no interest in the erotic thriller. <laughs> You're missing some good shit though. Honestly, you really are. I'm telling you. Probably seen plenty of the movies you're considering to be the good shit, and I still... Those are the reasons why I didn't bother ever watching The Crush. So, fun fact about Sliver, by the way, I don't know if we ever mentioned it on the podcast, it's based on a book written by the same guy who did Rosemary's Baby. Did you guys know that? I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. No. I don't think so. Yeah, no. That's that's new. That's pretty wild. Uh, Ira Levin is the guy's name. But Sliver's a good one. That's the one where... uh, Is it Sharon Stone? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Or Michelle Pfeiffer? Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. She's just getting railed by Billy Baldwin the whole movie, right? And there's something with TVs going on. Yes. <laughs> the guy has uh, cameras in everybody's apartment. He has apartments. cameras in every part of everybody's apartment. It's just impossible the amount of cameras he has. He's just an absolute fucking creep. Like, he knows about all the different rapes and things that go on in the building, and he just doesn't do shit about it. And it's just like, just the ultimate piece of crap. And then I think the ending is that they fly into a fucking volcano, if you can believe it. <laughs> like it, it was one of the one of the endings. One yeah. of the endings. It doesn't. I mean, any like any erotic thriller that ends in the volcano, like it, the volcano is not a character in the movie. Just so that we're clear, almost the entire thing takes place in just some skyscraper somewhere, some apartment skyscraper. So it's like. I don't know if that's a thing, but the way Philip is describing it right now makes it sounds like, sound like a really artsy A twenty four movie. Right, it's like this erotic thriller where at the end they fly into a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> just like God not, damn it, I don't want to watch what happens. this. The whole apartment building, <laughs> the whole apartment is flying to the yep. air. It's really something. Billy Baldwin rigged up the uh, the basement with explosives, but accidentally made the building into a giant rocket. Yeah, kind of like then, the Joker in the Batman animated series. Whenever it's, he... it's complete, it's completely made up. None of that happens. But uh, there is a volcano at the end. That's just a thing. It's just a, it's a fucking stupid genre. I think that's only I think that's only a volcano in the trivia. I thought that they I thought there was a volcano regardless, but it's just that they didn't fly into it. I don't remember. There is Oh god, it's been almost since we watched this. If you recall, I think it was some sort of sort of dream or something whenever they were flying like in his personal plane, but apparently there was like a tested ending of like he actually just flew them into the volcano. Because he was so obsessed, basically. That's the coolest. Like, anytime you're a writer and you're like, man, I guess we're just going to have to have him fly the fucking biplane into a volcano. Like, what else can we do now? 
like this is the only way out. It's like, no. <laughs> Man, we've really written ourselves into a corner when the only thing to do is to go into a volcano. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's Deus Ex, you know, volcano, volcano EO. Uh, D Hart, what do you got? Oh, uh, what is the one with, uh, it's a De Palma movie, Body Double? I That's haven't it. seen that one. It's pretty good. It's a, it's a take on Rear Window. Guy sees something while looking out of his house or his apartment and then uh it gets wrapped up in the events well i mean it's a it's a great fucking setup you know you see something but is it it's a popular what genre it, what exactly did you see and then you get wrapped up in the whole thing and then you know shenanigans see happen. something and then you try to say something i'm gonna have to add that one to the list haven't seen it I mean, there are a ton of decent De Palma movies. That <laughs> yeah, we can podcast that with Blowout, except for we already did Blowout. De Palma did quite a few uh, thrillers, and several of them have, like, very erotic scenes in them, and, like, lengthy <coughs> erotic scenes as well. <laughs> well, it's not the only time that you would uh, borrow from Hitchcock, too. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, for sure. That's what happens. Super inspired by him. So I'm going to go with one that I watched for the first time recently, uh, Fatal Attraction. Have you guys seen that one? I have not. Yeah, but I think I've got it mixed in with like a dozen other movies in my head because I don't I feel like remember. I've seen it vaguely. So this one, uh, it has kind of a stereotypical storyline of Michael Douglas cheats on his wife with Glenn Close. and uh, Oh, okay, that one. Yeah. I thought, I thought you were talking about a Basic Instinct. No, and then she goes fucking crazy and obsessed with him and like it's pretty par for the course for the most part and then like halfway through the movie she just steals michael douglas's kid's baby rabbit and boils it alive in a pot of water on Mm -hmm. their stove and you're just like holy shit yeah (laughs) because michael douglas walks in his house and he's like what's that smell and like runs over and there's just a dead rabbit like boiling on the stove like the water's coming out and absolutely smells delicious (laughs) (laughs) and it's really fucked because the kid's like five and the entire movie the kid's like daddy can i get a rabbit and they're like no no pets and then they finally get this kid a rabbit and he gets boiled alive (laughs) this is what happens when you get a pet Remember this next time you want an animal. (laughs) (laughs) Had you been taking care of it properly, it probably wouldn't have got boiled alive, would it? It's like nine times out of ten, dogs, cats, gerbils, they all get boiled eventually. It's a super crazy movie. Uh, Glenn Close does an amazing job uh, at playing a complete psychopath. But uh, a lot of these erotic thrillers, you know, Brainy and I were talking about that last night because she watched uh, these movies with me. Is like how many erotic killers are of the premise that the uh, the man does something shitty and then the woman just is like a complete psychopath, flies off the handle, and right. then usually in the end, like he just totally gets away with everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually he'll kick her off a cliff or something, <laughs> right? Somehow, I don't know why, but the punishment. I mean. Well, there are levels of severity here. He was in the wrong to cheat on his wife. Also, not illegal to cheat on your wife. It is illegal to break into people's homes and yeah. uh, kill their pets and try to kill them. Boiled so there's a, there's a you know <laughs> yeah. a level of uh, disparity in the severeness of the offense. <laughs> For sure. In, in, an, in a related matter, does it seem like... It, was there a time whenever it was like, 
cheating on your uh, spouse was just like, yeah, um, you know, I got cheated on. It's it's I guess we're just going to break up or maybe we'll try to make it work or whatever. In movies, it seems like since I've been alive, if you cheat, that's punishable by some sort of horrible like repercut like you you could die you could get boiling fucking chili poured on you while you're boning in a hotel or something like (laughs) yeah because it's it's breaking the christian sanctity of marriage yeah you're against god now that's it forget that we're talking about a heightened reality you're going to get some kind of reaction whenever something you did wrong is exposed for a movie if we're going to keep it realistic we just have a dry drama where they either break up or they try to make it work. And I don't give a shit about that. I want to see crazy shit because it's a fucking movie. Exactly. <laughs> That's fine. But there's a way to contrive that crazy shit. You know what I mean? Like using writing. Like, for instance, if if I'm cheating, it could also be that, like, there was a huge, like, there was a lot more going on than just, like, oh, somebody got cheated on. It's like, no... You didn't just it. You just got done getting somebody completely through fucking medical school, and you like right after graduation, just to instantly start fucking cheating on you because they got that extra time. Or you cheated on someone, and they uh, when you did that, you forgot to pick your kid up from school, and they got hit by a car on the way home. Or something. Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> they usually find a way to up the stakes unless they're just being pure and simply lazy. Like, um, I don't know if we've all mentioned our, our thriller, but it probably makes no difference. Go ahead, Cheats. I won't, I won't cheat to you this week. Cheats, have you ever seen an erotic thriller? I actually don't know if I have. I was like, I looked through a list of like 150 movies. I recognized a whole bunch of their titles. I don't think I've watched a damn one of them. Really? I think any ones that I've watched have actually been for this podcast. It's a very niche genre, and they don't really make them much anymore. Yeah. Like- okay, so what you're saying is the your favorite is The Crush, right? <laughs> no what i was gonna actually say is the only thing i think i can come close enough to with this answer is actually interview with a vampire which is not a thriller it's it is a thriller it's yeah. just it's it's close but it's if you got vamps it's gonna be erotic right like, it's, it's, it's just like vampires love to fuck I mean, also <laughs> like i mean let's be honest here this is on brand for me whenever you're just like Pick an erotic thriller, and I'm like, eh, I got nothing. And you're like, what about the movie with vampires yeah. fucking? I'm like, oh, I got that one. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I've seen the fucking, the vampire fucking movie, obviously. Uh, Queen of the Damned. As Laszlo would say, he became a vampire to suck blood and fuck forever. I think, that's, that's right. <laughs> the only other joke answer I can come up with is just true lies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's the stripper pole scene in that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's super erotic, but other than that. I mean that's a that's a fucking action movie, and I I won't hear another word about that. <laughs> that's why I said I was joking. It better be a fucking joke answer. Nobody said shit about True Lies. Were you not thrilled? But yeah, I I really don't think I've I've seen like a lot of these, if any at all, based off because of, like you know, for example, like Basic Instinct and Fatal Attraction. Like I know the gist of those, yeah. but I don't think I've ever sat down and actually watched them start to finish. Yeah. Single white female is another good one. Yeah, I watched that for the first time recently. Swim fan. Swim fan. Unfaithful. Unfaithful was the one I was just about to bring up a minute ago. Whenever I I, I was going to interrupt Cheats's answer and just be like, "Unfucking faithful" with uh, Richard Gere beating somebody to death with a fucking snow globe and then just full blown getting away with it. That's the end. He just <laughs> yeah. he just wins. Yeah. 
fatality. He rolls him up in a carpet and dumps his body in a trash bin, and then that's it. Yeah. He <laughs> and and like... they, they end the movie like I mean, I, I I love spoiling this movie because it's such a like bizarre downer. Uh, his wife's trying to get away from him, like the whole movie. She's just not even into him anymore, and they hate each other. They really do. And then they get to the end, and it's like. His wife's been cheating on him like super hardcore with this other dude. He beats him to death, rolls him up in a carpet, throws him away into the trash like fucking Danny DeVito. And then they just have a dinner at the end of the movie. It's just him and his family eating dinner and they're like, yeah, it's like, like yeah, guess what? You're trapped here forever. I killed the guy that was going to free you. Like she knows that he did it and that he knows, but like... There's never a conversation about it or anything like that. <laughs> they just eat their fucking potatoes and just go on with their lives. They're like, she's like, God damn, I guess he does love me. You could either eat the potatoes and live or, you know. There's always more carpets. <laughs> and I mean, snow globes. <laughs> <laughs> we got snow globes for days up in this bitch. That was when I found out that you could kill somebody with a snow globe. Because before that, I always just assumed, man, if you drop a fucking snow globe, that thing's going to shatter like a fucking egg. It's just going to be like a mess. It's like, now I'm thinking, yeah, they probably are pretty strong. It's a sphere of glass. Glass is extremely strong, especially in that shape. You could probably just beat somebody to death with a snow globe. And we'll find out one day whenever Cheats has finally had enough with us. Whenever Cheats gets angry. Yeah. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) That's the other joke, because I always picture that movie whenever we say that Cheats is going to just get just a little bit too mad at somebody someday and just smash them with a fucking ashtray or something. I always picture Richard Gere. Good answers. Uh, so yeah, I mean, semi-erotic thrillers today, I'll, I'll concede to that, but I, uh, so welcome to Motion Picture Meltdown, uh, I'm Stephen the Rose Rosenberg. Phil the Kill Collins. Cheese the Streets McGee. Andy Hart. And the movies I picked for today are, uh, The Crush from 1993, starring, uh, Alicia Silverstone and, uh, Carrie Elwes, and then Fear from 1996, starring Marky Mark and Reese Witherspoon. Let's let's start with the crush, shall we? Why not? Why? A journalist becomes the unwanted center of attention for a fourteen-year-old girl who proceeds to sabotage his life after he refuses her sexual advances. Sabotage. <laughs> Listen, all y'all. <laughs> it's a sabotage. So, the crush, uh, Carrie Elwes is. Uh, I guess he's a writer, and for some reason he's... He's a bad writer. <laughs> he's moving into this area. He's a sh- Yeah, he's a shitty writer. <laughs> he's a writer who's so bad that a 14-year-old can easily rewrite his work, and it'd be, like, significantly better, where he's just embarrassed. He's a fucking idiot. Yeah, and uh, for whatever reason, his editor is basically J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, he wants pictures <laughs> yeah. of uh, the crush on his desk. Because the crush Friday. is a menace. <laughs> right away, I'm like, why are you moving into somebody's guest house? I guess this is just a cheaper way to live. Like, it's, this seems, I don't know, stupid. It just seems stupid. Right, well, he's just, like, looking for some place to rent, right? And this is, like... I don't know. I guess this is like the the point in like the early '90s, like society consciousness that like you can just find somebody that just has like a converted garage or something like that that you can just rent out instead of just like I, renting an apartment. I think it was just a matter of uh, of like necessity of a, having a quick place to stay. Yeah, because he, he he seemed like he had to be there quickly 
because he missed like the meet, first meeting. He was like, well, I just got in this morning. And like, so it seemed like he had to start immediately. So he just had to find like a, at least a temporary space. And even during the, all the shenanigans that are going on, it doesn't sound like he's locked into anything. Cause he's like, I'm yeah. finishing this writing and then I'm getting the fuck out of this house. Yeah. Like, so, so it's, to me, it's just a temporary workspace and living space that, uh, he just probably, or grabbed on the whim just so he could like get to work and get started on whatever story he was working on. Which is fine. I don't think they ever say it explicitly in the movie, but it, we get the impression that he's coming in from out of town. Yeah. Cause it's his first day at the job. He doesn't have any place to live. He doesn't own anything. He's 28 and doesn't have fucking furniture. Like, I mean, I had not, I had only, I think I had bought one piece of furniture by the time I was 28, but that's, that doesn't matter. I had furniture. I just didn't have to buy it. Fun fact, uh, I bought my first piece of new furniture when I was like 34, and whenever the people were coming and picking, er, and like setting it up, Mm -hmm. the guy there said that the average age of, uh, of Americans that purchase brand new pieces of furniture is 35. Yeah, that sounds correct. It makes sense. Like, furniture's fucking expensive. So until you hit a point where you're stable, you're just like, $20 couch from Goodwill that has one entire section mission? And maybe... Got it. Let's do it. And maybe made out of human skin? Yeah. Yeah, you can't sit on that cushion. The spring will get you right in the asshole. Those other two, safe, though. And also, you have the fun thing where you can go to the store and buy that furniture, but then, like, like what happened with Ed, like, he bought him, him and his... Uh, ex-wife bought furniture and it just fucking fell apart it's like this isn't what's the buy the just get it from fucking goodwill fuck it but anyhow um he's apartment shopping and that's fine he needed a quick place to stay or whatever but the place he decided quickly to stay was the one with the hot 14 year old girl on roller skates that is he just wants to bone he literally follows her into the fucking uh driveway it's like Strikes one through three, Mr. Elwes. <laughs> I mean, it's not his fault. I might yeah. go more than three strikes on that one. Yeah. <laughs> he was already going there. I don't care. Go somewhere that else. Was, that was the address he was going to. This was a really weird role for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think at this point in his career, he had only done, like, as far as, like, big movies, he had done Princess Bride. And then I think maybe he had done Robin Hood Men in Tights. That may have been after this. I mean, it, it, it was it was probably like right around this time, 94, 95. I think it would have been before. He was also in uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, right? It was the same year. Yep, I told you, right around this time. Uh, yeah, I think he was in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was would have been a year before this, I'm pretty sure. So I think, the, I think his role in this um, probably got him cast in Saw. What do we think? Because... He's not exactly a bad guy in Saw, but he's also not a good guy either. Yeah, he's a bit of a creep. You find out. Yeah. Also, this is just... It's also Lisa Silverstone's uh, first movie, and she's 16 here, playing a 14-year-old, which is also kind of weird. It's a little the, sketch. The grand context yeah, of this. Uh, Brady and I talked about that last night, that it was kind of a strange role uh, for to put your kid in. Yeah. Uh, but whatever, I guess. <laughs> She did Clueless like two years later. Uh, I think she was seventeen. When she no, was, she was seventeen when it came out. I I went ahead and I went back in time and did the math, and I was like, I could probably look up when this was actually shot, 
but I'm not going to because I don't really want to know. Like, I don't want to find out she was actually 15, had just, was about to turn 16 or some fucking thing. So I had completely forgot about Alicia Silverstone. Like, I pretty much thought that she stopped acting. Mm-hmm. Apparently that's not the case at all. But I was just watching this really, like, creepy slow burn, uh, like, horror movie. And, like, this woman pops up in the in the beginning for, like, a few minutes. And, like, it's just a really kind of fucked up moment. And she ends up blowing her brains out in front of her family. Right. And, like, I was like, fuck! You know, and then I watched the whole movie. And then at the end, it's, like, with Alicia Silverstone. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then I had to go back to the clips, and it was fucking her. And I didn't even realize it when I was watching the movie. Right. And she doesn't really look that different. No. Uh, you know? I think she's she just, in her she's, late 40s now, but... She started acting early enough that she was, like, so young that she at, her face has literally changed since then. Like, enough where you can... Honestly, you just can't really tell it's her sometimes. But, um... I think her... her uh, Wasn't she in one of the Batmans? Batman Forever, maybe? Batman and Robin. Yeah, she was uh, Barbara Gordon. Yeah. Um, I think that was the last time I remember her being in anything. Like, that I saw the movie and I knew she was going to be in it. She was in that Blast for the Past movie with Brendan Fraser. That was pretty... It was like a big comedy for a while. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I uh, remember seeing the trailers for that and thinking, this looks stupid as fuck. I'm never watching this. I feel I feel justified in that. This guy who directed this movie, Alan Shapiro, really weird uh, filmography here, too. Like, he directed uh, just a few TV movies and then he did one called The Christmas Star. He also did... The Crush after that, and then did Flipper <laughs> in 1996, and that's the last thing he ever did. And stopped. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was it. It's like Christmas movie, The Crush, Flipper. Career made. <laughs> I never watched Flipper, but that's that Flipper has Elijah Wood in it, yeah? Or am I thinking of a different movie? Yeah. Yeah, no, he's in that. He's in it. Um. Yeah, that was the first time I ever saw Elijah Wood in, in anything that I knew, obviously, was Flipper. I never watched it, but I just the trailer was be, before everything for a second. I sadly saw the, the Good Son way before I saw Flipper. <laughs> <laughs> so it's in a pattern here, Stephen. Oh uh, yeah, that's uh, I didn't mention that on uh, on air, but like one of the reasons I picked these movies is because I saw them both very young, like very like close to around when they came out. So, uh, I obviously didn't understand the fucked upness of them. I'd only seen the crush maybe once since then. Yeah. I've seen fear like 10 fucking times. Well, fear dude. is a famous movie. It really is. It's been, it used to come on TV all the fucking time. And then like, I know I've watched it a time or two with Brandy and like, I've probably seen it a couple times with other friends since then. What is the accent he's doing? In this, in, in fear. Not to get us off subject. It's a Massachusetts accent, I'd probably say. Yeah, I know it's I know it's East Coast, That's but it's just accent. like, <laughs> it's so thick that I'm just like, God damn, dude, just chill a little. It's like a, it's like a mix between a New York and a Massachusetts accent, I think. Speaking of accents, though, going back to The Crush, I think that's one of the issues with Carrie Elwes and why he was never able to really pull huge roles is, like, he has a hard time disguising his British accent. Yeah. Like, he always has, I feel like. So just simply be British. What the fuck difference would it make in this movie? Yeah, yeah it wouldn't make any sort of difference in this. Uh, It'd probably make her like him more. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? It'd probably give her another, like, avenue to be like, I might, I might blame her a little less. Because it's like you can't you can't escape the British accent, especially if it's like he's got one of those really dignified jobs. Like, oh, I'm I'm a writer. <laughs> it's like, all right, 
You're probably right, Steve. From what I understand, as far as like doing voice work, especially with accents, I think it's easier for British people to generally do either like a like a thick New York accent or like almost Bostonish, mm-hmm. somewhere between there, and also do like Southern accents and things like that. And I mean, dialect coaches are much better now than they were yeah, thirty true. years ago. You know, it's a, like a cartoon character version of the American accent. Yeah, I imagine now you can you could find the absolute best person for the job for any language, for any dialect or any kind of, you know, like vocal anything and just do the coaching right over the fucking internet. And it's like reasonable. You know what I mean? Not only that, but they probably have digital programs that even like help shape it. God, even more. Can you fucking imagine that shit? It's just like auto tune for actors. Kill me. I mean, I guarantee you it exists. Well, do okay. Yeah. Just Cher hasn't come along and let everybody know about it yet. (laughs) I like to imagine that program running from a box with a oscilloscope on it, just like uh, last week's. Oh, yeah. Just like (laughs) the fucking fucking CSI shit. Well, you see, this wave is 0.4 decibels. Uh, Fucking get the hell out of here. That's not real. You're full of shit. Right away, Alicia Silverstone is just super inappropriate with him. Like, she's just like up in his face and like kind of rubbing on him and he's being creepy too and also also right away he doesn't do shit about it no he doesn't he knows from jump okay so not from jump he knows from whenever he walks in the front door and starts talking to them about like getting the apartment that she's fucking 14 before that when he was on the street thinking she was hot she was fucking hot i mean what can you do like she's a hot actress like but once he's in there and he's like oh shit this is totally inappropriate. Maybe I shouldn't. Given that this character clearly is like, just not giving a shit. He's just fine. It's fine. Just see some girl on the street, follow her to her house. I know D Hart said he was already going there, but my point remains. Okay. Well, uh, this guy fucks up in several ways, and one, just one, right off the bat, is close your fucking doors. Close your fucking doors. They ne- he hardly ever closes his front door. It's wide you, It's wide open. Camera can see it like 90% of the movie. Even after crazy shit has happened, he's, he still occasionally leaves his door open. Yeah, even after his stuff is fucked with. And close the door when you're in the fucking bathroom. Dude, the <laughs> he was born in a barn, obviously. I th- they, they make it, <laughs> they do though, they make it clear later that Alicia Silverstone is a straight up Houdini. It make it would have not mattered if he locked the door. It would have made it harder for her to go in there and like try to bone him in the first place. But like in all, she could get in that house and literally build slash hide a shrine at at a whim. She's just supernatural like that. I mean, I know we mentioned it, but one of the first ways he fucks up is the the whole comment about how if she was ten years older. Yeah, and it's like that's a weird thing to say to a kid. That is the that's the shit that creepy, rapey uncles say to the, the yeah. their fucking like children in their family that they abuse. That's, that's <laughs> not the compliment you think it is, there, Chief. You need to scale that one back hard. <laughs> right, real fucked up. You don't. Did you just don't say that shit? You're twenty goddamn eight. You gonna say that to a child? Along with her just being like straight up Houdini, like Philip said, it also is like implied somewhat that she's like possibly a genius because she knows a bunch of things. They don't do it super well. It's just showing that like she's way more capable for a fourteen year old girl. But her she her like best friend uh, 
best friend air quotes on that one uh more like abuse abuse victim uh basic comments like she just knows things that like typical 14 year olds don't know and then also like of course she is way better at writing um she apparently is really good at like horseback riding uh, there's just a bunch of different things that she's like way more capable than she should be. They do explain it in the movie. They advance her several grades. So no, yeah, they explain that she's, she's too young and in the context of her own schools. So. Yeah. They explain that she's uh advanced intelligence. Like they show her doing things that it's just 14 year olds that simply don't know how to do. She's just crazy smart. That's why she's uh when she's talking shit to Carrie Elwes girlfriend and she's like, Oh my God, I wish I could grow up and be just as smart as you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're like, 12th grade smart right now yeah i'm still smarter than you <laughs> i mean to to be honest though like she does put together some pretty diabolical things like and almost gets away with it if she was just kamehameha wave proof you know she would have gotten away with this whole thing she's too easy to knock out with one okay point. well i guess we have to set up things a little bit uh her dad is kurt woodsmith who is just he's rich just, he's rich red foreman yeah in this uh, her dad also has a fully functional carousel in his attic, which I think it may be the dumbest fucking part of the entire movie, by, by the way. It's strictly for the inset piece. Yeah, it is. There's no other reason for you, it. They couldn't have put this outside. This is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> you could not... Okay, I don't know what the weight of a carousel is, but I promise you it's too fucking heavy to just put in your goddamn attic. Yeah, there's no way. Like, what are yeah. these? Is this house made of steel? Like, this isn't a fucking, you know, like, this is ridiculous. It's silly. This isn't the house in fear, goddammit. Right, like, the thing that I only mentioned about this, he's just like, I started this as a restoration product project, and now I can't get out of my attic. And it's like... Dude, of course it's going to be out of your attic because it's going to crash to the goddamn floor. Yeah, yeah. he talks about how he how he built it like piece by piece. So yeah, uh, some shenanigans ensue. He's watching Alicia Silverstone out his window while she's. Was that after the party or is that before? That was after the party. It was after. Yeah, but and then uh, of course she's like, uh, she he goes to the party. He sees that she can play piano really well. That's the the creepy comment. That's the creepy comment, and then uh, and then she she's like, "Oh, uh, I want to show you something. Let's go for a drive." And he was like, "Well, I don't know if I should." And she's like, "Oh, come on, you know, live a little or whatever." Yeah. He's like, "Okay, I guess I'm gonna go drive this 14 year old around in the middle of the night." He's already crossed the line <laughs> so many times, but this is where he, in the eyes of the actual law, like he's crossed moral boundaries. For me, I'm like, uh, dude. There's no such thing as telling a 14-year-old, man, if you were just 10 years older. It's like, no, sir. But I don't think that's illegal to say, even though that's really fucked up. The gross, rapey voice Philip added to it, too. Yeah. Hey, really, you. though. <laughs> he was, like, whispering it under his breath while jerking himself off through his pocket. Anyway, so... Um, I don't remember that scene. <laughs> this is where he's actually being, like observably like legally speaking creepy i I don't know that this would be illegal either necessarily but it would certainly be mentioned in his court case it's it would definitely be questionable i mean he didn't even mention to the parents like she wants me to drive her someplace she didn't tell me where is it okay if i drive her someplace it might be across state lines but i apparently don't give a shit not only that but as soon as they get there she fucking kisses him and he takes a minute to like stop it yeah you know what i mean like he's not it's not like he's like oh get the fuck off of me child yeah he's like you know what i think i'm gonna uh 
you know, endure there's, this. There's him. way too much of a delay on that. Yeah, day. and then he's like, stop, we can't do this. I have to, we have to go. And it's like... I need to know if this was... Like, if the audience in 1993 was watching this movie, and then it's literally right away as soon as uh, uh, Carrie Elwes's character gets to the house and, like, sees her rollerblading and, like, takes the house and, like, start immediately starts making inappropriate comments. Was that over the line in 1993 for audiences? Were they like, oh, Carrie, come on, do not. I honestly don't think so. No, probably not. Uh, I, I mean, cause... like like we said, this is a weird role to cast your kid in when they're 17. Like, this is still the, uh, an actress, a 17-year-old uh, girl who's making out on screen. She couldn't her. have been older than 16, couldn't no. have No. Because this came out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They... So you have a 16-year-old girl making out with, like, a almost 30-year-old man on screen. Yeah, they filmed this between September and November 1992. Yeah, okay. Uh, I told you I didn't want to know that, Cheats. I specifically <laughs> asked you that. I did not want to know that. And you just went and spoiled it for me anyways. Well, you'll be all right. He's the king. He's the king, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but, like, that that's the thing, because there's another line, like, later whenever um, Amy, the uh, photographer that Carol was, works with, she just says to uh, Silverstone, she's just like, listen, whenever you're, you're older, you'll figure out that like these were just fake feelings or something like that. And I think that was kind of the general sentiment at this point. It's just like, you know, oh, kids will be kids. They'll figure it out when they get older. And it's like, that's no, no. Yeah, she's a psychopath. Yeah, that's she's not. an actual psychopath. Right. Because like, the, there's like a passage of time that like happens in this movie as like he is working on like this big case, which takes like several months even. Uh, Kurtwood Smith has like a random throwaway line where he's just like, oh, over, over the last year I've, I've watched my daughter like really blossom into an adult. There's like a bunch of things that like show there's like a general passage of time here. And I know he's living here and his options are limited. And I know the parents aren't around very much because they say that, but it's still wild to me that this dude never wants to just like, hey, your daughter's like really inappropriate with me. And it's just because he's a fucking idiot. Yeah. Well, he's to, an absolute moron. To be fair, the parents would simply not take that well. Like they, no matter what, they're going to blame him, and they would be correct having to to, to blame him. To be and fair. they basically do whenever she etches cocksucker into the front of his car. Yeah, he's like, also Red Foreman is basically like, uh, "Did you do this?" And she's like, "Why would I do that?" And he's like, "Well, there you have it." Yeah. <laughs> It's like, okay, well, case closed then, you fucking asshole. I think this is only takes place over, like, the case of, a, of course, of a couple of weeks. I mean, Red Foreman would know that his daughter has grown over a year just because he's the father in the situation. Yeah. So I don't think that has anything to do with the amount of time that uh, Carrie Elwes has been it, It's at least long enough for Carrie Elwes to write a story. Have that story be so popular that the one of the subjects of the story wants to specifically do an interview with him, and then he goes and does that interview and then writes it. And by the time that interview's being done written, that's where it's completely off the rails. Like, Alicia Silverstone deletes that interview from his computer and shit. And, uh, but these are magazine articles. Yeah. You're not developing these over the course of months. I mean, it sounds like the one was a pretty important magazine article, but even still, this, this again, it, it can't have been more than two months. Really. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking he's probably been there for two months. If it's supposed to be longer than that, they didn't like show it, but I'm, I'm guessing like two yeah, months. Yeah, I mean, it's long enough for him to like start an actual relationship with somebody. Yeah. To where she's comfortable like staying over and like, right. you know, and, and cooking dinner together and like 
whatnot, and eventually moving in together, like right. they do at the end of the movie. But, like... Spoilers. Who <laughs> gives a shit? <laughs> uh, also... Is, uh, is this girlfriend allergic to bees, or does she just hate bees? I think if she had been allergic, no. she would have been dead. Dude, if she was allergic to bees, she would have been dead I th- all Okay, time. I thought so. I just didn't know if there was a bullshit line about her being allergic that I missed. No, they just they just menace her with those, uh, those bees earlier, and it makes it extraordinarily clear. Like, they did not have to include the scene earlier whenever Alicia Silverstone was bullying her with bee knowledge. She was just like, yeah, they're not fucking bees. They're wasps. They jerk each other off all day long. Also, those weren't wasps, number one. And number two, it was really funny where uh, where her friend, because she has like a she has a friend who is real concerned for Carrie Elwes, too, yeah. and uh, named Cheyenne, and to which he says something like, oh, engine, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> where it's like, Jesus Christ. Is this, this guy's just trying to be a piece of shit. She's like, she knows things. She knows about wasps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, dude her wasps knowledge could have come out of a little kid's like, fucking animal book she, she it's so stupid she also called them yellow jackets and i'm like bees wasps and yellow jackets are all, all different all extraordinarily different these were actually like honeybees yeah you know that's how they do that this is why alan shapiro stopped writing because all of his writing was extremely unresearched and shitty. These are the bees that usually don't sting, but they can. And they're the ones that Tony Todd got paid $1,000 a sting for. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like... Now, Alicia Silverstone's like... Her, uh... Her pay... Not payback, but her little prank she plays on, uh... On the girlfriend here is pretty wild. So, uh... Carrie Elwes' girlfriend goes... It's a bit silly to call it a prank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's generous... She, she literally tried to as hard as she could to kill her ass with bees. She's like in the dark room, you know, because she's a photographer and like, you know, she's she's uh, developing the photographs and Alicia Silverstone locks the door, blocks the air vent and then holds up a, b- a bag with a beehive in it up to it, then uncovers the air vent so that it sucks all the bees into the dark room. Simultaneously, while... His girlfriend is developing a picture of Alicia Silverstone giving the craziest face ever. <laughs> this is probably the most style in the entire movie. I thought this sequence was really good. Yeah, yeah it was. Especially when she breaks the window at the end and lets the bees out. And uh, you see the... You see the face. Uh, her. You see Alicia Silverstone's face like on the picture. It fades and, to black. Yeah, because the, uh, the sunlight is getting in. It's pretty fucking cool. It is cool. <laughs> it's vanquishing the night. The sun, the sun is. But they use that as the dissolve to the next scene. By breaking the window, that's just not just going to send the bees out of it. It's not like the bees are going to be like, air! I, do, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that, well, first of all, yes, it will. They might. It absolutely will. <laughs> Here's the actual setup. Like, they're doing this whole thing where they're, she's, she's pouring the, the, the developer chemical into a pot or into a pan thing. And she's like, fuck that shit strong. She's like clearly getting high as fuck off of it already. And then turns on the the fan, which is really funny. All like from, from jump street. It's like, she's just play, playing it fucking fast and loose with the rules of how you use these chemicals. Just pours a handful of them in there. Who gives a shit? And, um, and then she turns the vent on responsibly. So she won't get completely too stoned to like develop her pictures. And then, you know, like we said, she covers up the vent and then fills it with bees. So I guess this is one of those uh, those air filter or air intakes that just doesn't use filters at all, which kind of 
defeats the purpose. Like, just gonna suck a bunch of toxic ass air from outside. Like, who, like who knows what's going on out there? But regardless, you would have some form of a filter on this fucking thing. That's how fans, these types of you know exhaust fans work. Also, well, you see, Philip. The, the bees were angry, so when they got sucked out of the bag, they the, the first line of bees all poked a hole through the filter with their stingers, uh, and then the second line of bees went through. Rocket bees, I forgot. <laughs> so yeah, they, they, they fly in there and sting the living piss out of her. Um, spoilers, she's dead as shit if this happens. She got stung directly into the fucking face like 150 times. No, she's done. And then... She's, like, knocking over, like, 18 different bottles of fucking crazy chemicals. No. She can't breathe. One little broken piece of window hole is not going to help. Like, not enough to fucking save her ass. She's literally locked in there. I don't even... They don't explain how she got no. out. What? How, how did she get out? Well, with the window open, she could yell for help. Yeah, maybe she screamed for help with the window broken. What an absolute crock of shit. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how she could scream when her throat had to be completely fucking swollen shut at that filled, point. Filled with bees? <laughs> is what you're... So you mentioned the, that the bees were the wrong bees, like... Getting the bees wrong for the movie, as far as like what bees you're actually witnessing, that's one thing. But then saying yellow jackets and wasps are the same thing, that's where I was like, God damn, get right on out of here with this stupid shit. I mean, I know yellow jackets not like a genus species. But. Okay, hear me out on this. What if she isn't a super genius like everyone thinks she is? She's just sociopathic enough to where they all think it's like, of course, she must be a genius. She said the let. She said the Latin name of these things that are all she's, different. But. She's a beanius. <laughs> Maybe she is an entire swarm of bees wearing a human suit, and that's why she knows so much about bees. <laughs> it's a hive mind. Like, oh, you motherfucker. No. <laughs> well, that ruins my beanius no. pun. pun. <laughs> Had to step right all over that, didn't I? <laughs> you little asshole. Dude. Yeah. Okay, so... She's going crazy. She's fucking with his work. She uh, she erases his entire uh, story file. Right. So he has to retype it in a really stupid montage of him typing it and her leaving literally 99 messages on his fucking, on his fucking phone. She's full-blown harassing him at this point. And he's like, he's already accused her of carving cocksucker onto the hood of his, like, beautiful, like, restored classic car. And... She leaves him 99 messages, and I just don't understand how that's not physical evidence. You take that directly to Kurtwood Smith, and you go, look at this insane shit. Just listen to half of this. Like, what is she doing? See, you can't take his evidence to him because he kissed her. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, guess how much evidence there is of that? <laughs> yes, Carrie Elwes has already made a lot of really stupid fucking mistakes, but that doesn't mean he has to continue. Who's he going to believe, though? Be believe or don't believe. Like, who gives a fuck? Look at the fucking tape. He could take this to an arbitration. Yeah. This is real, actual, physical evidence that you can listen to and enter into the record. You know, he should have taken pictures of uh, the shrine when it was still intact before he gets arrested. He boarded it up. They imply that the only way to get to the shrine is through a secret hatch in his fucking... Uh, you know what I'm saying? In his actual living quarters. There's just a... a, a a, a sex basement to this thing. Like, I don't know why it's in there, but it's in there. It's, it's a garage. They can get it. There's a ground level entrance. Okay. So then why did he board it up? Like that, that makes no, 
That's how she's getting in. He's boarding up the entrance. I thought he's, he was boarding it up for okay, evidence, okay. but you're right. He's just boarding it up so she can't get in. And it's like, bro, use the evidence. Like, it's in this other dude's garage. You don't think he wants to see this? He has no, like, critical thinking skills. That's what it is. Alicia Silverstone's not a genius. He's just a fucking moron. Everyone in this movie is an idiot. Every single person. Because <laughs> uh, well, like Kurtwood Smith acts accordingly, I think. Like, well, he's still an if idiot. If I'm Kurtwood Smith, I do almost exactly everything. Kurtwood Smith except for the put a fucking carousel in his attic. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, except for the carousel in the attic, and he had to be a genius to support the fucking thing. It's like, you know, all the engineering he had to add to his house to support a full fucking carousel in his attic? You go down into the ground floor and there's just 14 supports right in the middle of the living room. It's like, <laughs> well, that looks really good. Yeah, but like... Barely noticed. Fucking stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> you barely noticed. Carrie Elwes made like this, the fucking stupid ass creepy comment because he's a moron. And then also he like... Looks at her way too long next to the pool instead of just being like, what the fuck's out there? No. And then when he sneaks into her bedroom, first off, I don't even know why he thought it was a good idea to sneak in there. He was trying to find a picture that she took. Dude. But then while he's in there, along with, aside from like the creepy camera lingering on her underwear, he also is like, okay, I know she's in the other room. I can either walk out of this room before she can get here, which is perfectly doable, or I can just hide in her closet. Why? Why would you choose the closet? Yeah. yeah. At that point, you just jump out the fucking window. You're dead. You're you're fucked. You fucked yourself, so go ahead and murder yourself out this goddamn window. When he looked into the hallway from her bedroom... So, okay, Cheats is 100% right. I'm not arguing against Cheats because he literally spends a full 10 seconds just dragging a pair of her underwear from out from underneath of her bed to, just to look at it and then scoot it back under. I think it was a bathing suit. But regardless, he's just like scoping her private fucking clothing in her room. And he's being just unredeemable creep right now. But then he goes to the outside, like to the door to leave, and she is about to leave the bat. Like she had just turned on the water and was clearly coming back to her room to get something. They should like show that. And I don't think he knew he had the time to escape. But regardless, every step of his plan, he should have just simply never been up there. Like, you don't think this makes you look creepy? You've already been acting creepy. You kissed a 14-year-old. You want to keep? You want to fuck with the bull and get the horns? You want two weeks of fucking detention yeah. on Saturday? And then she, like, gets naked, and the, he, like, gasps and, like, hits all the hangers in the closet. So yeah. then she knows, she knows he's there. So it's like, you're just fucking up, man. Yeah. Also, yeah, he's a stupid un- unfortunately, Philip, um, with the tape that you're talking about, well, I agree with its, its evidence, given like some of the other stuff that happens a little bit later, even if he showed that, she would like, later on, she would just be like, well, he made me do that. He had me come up into his room, because like, he really wanted me, and I was really scared. He was like, if you don't do this to make it seem like you were stalking me, then I'll like do something. Like That's what would have happened. So what what you're saying is he, he held her at gunpoint and made her record 99 messages? He left the door open while he was changing his clothes. That would take like it. That would take like ten days. I think Cheats is more or less saying that she would turn it around and blame it on him. That like he had provoked the entire situation. Yeah, she was a young, impressionable mind, and therefore that's that's what bullshit. Gonna... Because regardless, the only evidence says she's fucking psychotic. Because you, nobody leaves a hundred messages, like a literal hundred. That's a crazy person. Doesn't matter why. 
Doesn't matter I'm, what. I'm just You're saying You're fucking that, crazy. No one, there's no reason to live 100 messages for any purpose. Yes, you can see that she's obsessed from 100 messages. But you're say, but at that point, you would say, okay, why is she obsessed? Because he's just a neighbor? Because he's around? Or is it because they had some kind of relationship, and now she's leaving? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, 100 messages is not illegal. Right. Like, it's literally not. Especially if it's her fucking house, and it's the guest house. You know what I mean? Can you imagine listening to those messages back to back and not going, okay, she's clearly fucking unhinged. Oh, yeah. Like any, oh, any human no, being dude. listening to this. I would have been out of this, this house. This isn't normal behavior. This is a psycho. It doesn't matter why she's obsessed. The point is she's fucking nuts. Yeah, and he should have been out of this house from Jump Street. Yeah, right away. He's clearly a fucking idiot. As soon as he's got the job and he's not, he's not on the edge of whether he's going to keep it or not, he should be his ass should be in a hotel. Yep, right away. That it doesn't doesn't leave any numbers, doesn't do anything. Just in a hotel, she'll never fucking find. As it. soon as she very first rewrote his story by sneaking into his fucking apartment, like that's a massive fucking red flag. Not cool. Well, she's not sneaking at the beginning because he just leaves his goddamn door open twenty four hours a day. Also, how shitty of a writer do you have to be for a some random fourteen year old to just make your story way fucking better to the editor. Uh, remember, yeah. she's a genius, 14-year-old. <laughs> Should we or is he just end? an idiot? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, setup, the setup for the end is he has sex with with the new girlfriend in the uh, his apartment guest house, which he shouldn't be doing because he knows that there's a crazy lady next door, and he uses a condom. He doesn't say this at the time, but, you know. He puts it in a Ziploc baggie labeled condom evidence. Sits it by the door for the condom man, the condom replacer, the person, you know, it's like the milkman. He comes. The condom fairy. Exactly. They come and they take, take the uh, used condoms and they leave you a, they leave you a quarter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolute goddamn maniac shit, this fucking movie. So, uh, Dude, the condom fairy might be the grossest thing I've ever heard of in my oh, fucking yeah. life. Okay, that can't be an that can't be a, a uh, show title. Just so you know, why not? <laughs> what the condom yeah, fairy? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I feel like it could be. Apple is very particular <laughs> about what they allow, and I, I I guarantee you they would deem that sexual content, and they would fucking pull us in a second. You're allowed to have sexual content on it. Like it just can't be like oh oh I don't think so yeah <laughs> okay well I guess we'll just have to agree to D there <laughs> but okay so we won't use condom fairy <laughs> I'm just telling you had a, we had a show pulled because asshole was in the title it was in a title. That's sexual content. It's about an asshole. No, asshole no is, other use asshole for is asshole. one of those words you can't say <laughs> on like broadcast television. You can say ass. But they deemed it sexual content. I think that might just be it. They didn't say it was because of language. They said it was sexual. <laughs> Look, buttholes are for sex. We all know this. <laughs> There's no other purpose yeah. for them. What else are they doing down yeah, there? Yeah, I shit out of my elbows. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> so, going back to this movie. Let's just fucking end it. It's fucking frustrating as fuck to watch this movie. So what happens here at the end? She she's fully off her rocker, like. Well, so the entire setup is like what Philip was getting to. She snuck in, or not Philip? Sorry, what Dehart got to. She snuck in. She got the condom. Yeah. She used that to like put semen in, inside her vagina for this, mm-hmm. and she has this entire setup of like 
He, like, beat and raped her. Yeah. Um, she like, gets the police called. He gets arrested. He might lose his job. So, okay. If this movie really wanted some teeth to get, like, back at him for being a creep, they would have made her pregnant at the end. Yeah. Like, like that would have been the stinger at the very end. She's in the, she's in the like, the mental institution or whatever, and then, like, she also has a baby. Yeah. How fucking... Wild would that ending be? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it'd be, it'd be, it'd be pretty wild because it would be pretty unlikely she would get pregnant from just grabbing some random, extremely old cum and jamming it up inside of her. Like who knows how many days later? We don't know how how fresh it is. We don't know like if they walked out the door. I think she got it that night when they were in bed because she did get it that night. But that's not the night after which he was accused of rape. Like, it wasn't directly following could have put it in the fridge. Come the fuck on. Come the fuck on. They do that. That's what they do with the real cum when they're, when they're transferring it. They put it in a fucking fridge. Okay, so that's whatever. It doesn't... Look, it doesn't matter. She's a scientist of bees and of jizz. We all know this. Carol's <laughs> boss is the one that bails him out and basically just is like, hey, they're going to take they're gonna take her, they're going to leave. Like, you need to go get your stuff. And that's just, that's just kind of where he left it. Also, Go, you're fired, basically. Yeah, he didn't say that yet, but it's... Yeah, well, it's like, he's bailed him out and gotten the parents to go along with not uh, pressing charges by just so he's like he can clear his own, you know, he's not getting any dirt on the magazine. He's like, you get out of town or else. What exactly do you tell, like, what did they offer the Alicia Silverstone's kid in exchange for a rape? Right? Like a violent beat the piss out of her fucking, like, this isn't, it's not just statutory rape. Like, he literally fucking supposedly attacked her. He didn't literally do that, but. We know that he didn't because we saw the events leading up. To right. That. But she's, she's wounded herself. Like, she beat on herself and she also, like, injected jizz into herself, apparently. Pretty, pretty clever. So he goes back to his apartment to, like, get his stuff. Uh, Cheyenne shows up. Cheyenne, of course, being uh, the the friend that tried to tell him before and warn him. She tells him some stuff. He's like, okay, I'm leaving. And then she ends up... Well, it's not just some stuff that's, uh, that she's killed in the past and uh, she will kill again. <laughs> she's a murderist. Right. So she gets snatched up. So he goes into the house to, to basically to, to save her because uh, Adrian, Alicia Silverstone's character, is in there. Like, he finds a flaming shrine in her room and she's just like, I'm just fixing this. It's like, setting things on fire doesn't usually fix things. And, like, we have this insane confrontation between the two of them where he falls down the stairs and then Red Foreman shows back up because he, he's looking for Adrian. Uh, chases them up to the attic where there's a there's a fight because uh, Carrie was finds Cheyenne actually tied up to the carousel that, is, the carousel working that is working and spinning and yeah. there's fucking carousel music playing because it's just madness yeah like what is this fucking ending guys I, I, like <laughs> I do not know and like <laughs> like what the fuck it, it literally doesn't make sense like she was trying to kill him like she was beaten on him with a fucking cane. And she threw him downstairs and a bunch of other shit. And then turns right around and then beats on her own dad for trying to choke well, him she's out. she's crazy. Like, she's she's inches away from getting away with this. She's crazy. What, she can, she can kill him, but her dad can't? Like, that doesn't make sense. It's within the same few minutes. There's a struggle, and she's getting ready to attack with this cane again. And Carrie was just straight... Falcon punches her off this fucking carousel about 25 feet into the wall. 
and uh, left-handed. Left- I, I, well, maybe I, he's left-handed. I don't know if he's left-handed, but statistically speaking, he's not left-handed. Mm-hmm. I think he is left-handed. <laughs> okay. Well, my point, more the point I'm making is like this could be with his offhand, and if the even if this is it doesn't matter. Nobody could. Fucking Mike Tyson <laughs> cannot punch someone this if far. If this is his offhand, her head would have exploded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, her head would have exploded if he hit her with the right. <laughs> yeah, he, he pulled his punch by not exploding her into, you know, atoms. No, uh, I was just going to say that I remember watching this for the first time, like, uh, we're on a vacation with my family, and me and my brother were watching this in the hotel room, and uh, we kept m- making fun of it because... Uh, Kerry L. Waits is doing a real Superman thing a lot because they'll take off. Sometimes they'll just have the glasses on. Sometimes they won't. And he's always popping in <laughs> from like the side of the screen. And this was icing on the cake. We loved it. It's like, cause this is a Superman punch. I swear. <laughs> I saw the energy like gathering into his fist as he like pulled it back. It really was a Falcon punch. They slow mode the shit out of it. Yeah. Like they slowed down the scene and they slowed down the carousel and then like it was like a roll and then like a punch. This is like Shit. this is like the end of like a Street Fighter match whenever he beats her with like with a counter because it just like slows down, you see like the energy frame and then punches are just <laughs> yeah. and then it ends. Uh, <laughs> Combo breaker. So yeah. the movie fucking ends with her at a mental institution and basically like uh the doctor or therapist, whoever it is, basically saying... So, first of all, she would never have a man therapist no. uh, after this. Basically him like, oh, you're doing so well in group, blah, blah, blah. You'll be out of here in no time. And then she's obviously crushing on him as well. And it's like, uh, do you not think that these people aren't trained to counteract those exact things from people like that? Like they wouldn't specifically be looking for it? Because that's why she's there? Steven, they got to leave it open. they got to leave it open for a sequel. Well, they should have had her do it with like a janitor or something. <laughs> you know what I mean, or, or just also or just st- still be obsessed with Carrie Elwes. Just still, you know what I mean. Like have like pick crude drawings that she made. Have a fucking baby. That is the way to end this fucking movie. He is totally fucked because he now has a baby with this crazy person, and it leaves it open ended. I just don't know that you can. Either way, I see. I'm very dubious if you could actually get someone pregnant like this. Like, I really don't think you could. She is still obsessed with Carrie Elwes because even though he's moved to a different city entirely, she still somehow has his address mm-hmm. and is sending him shitloads of letters. It would have been great with a. Like well, that's a, just forwarded mail. It would have been great with like a misery type ending where he's like looking at his girlfriend and it's just Alicia Silverstone's face or some, some shit. <laughs> I'm your number one fan. <laughs> Yeah, that would have made the movie good. This movie blows, and it's really annoying. And like the only the good thing that I can say about this movie is that it's got some like pretty funny set pieces, and then you also have Carrie Elwes Kamehameha punching this fucking girl across the room. <laughs> okay, well, should we move on then? <laughs> I cheered when he punched her, even though I wasn't rooting for him. Like I was hoping he would die. I, I was I wanted Kurtwood Smith to just cut. Choke him the fuck out. Kind of one of those things with the crush of like, I'm not entirely sure that he deserved to have his entire life ruined for being a creep, but also he's so stupid that it's hard to feel sorry for him even a little bit. No, I don't. I ne- not even for one second did I ever feel sorry for his dumbass ass and ass ass hole. Sorry, for sexual reasons. This is sexual content, 
Yeah. Moving on, moving on to Fear from 1996, directed by James Foley. Uh, when Nicole met David, handsome, charming, affectionate, he was everything. It seemed perfect, but soon she sees that David has a darker side, and his adoration turns to obsession, their dream into a nightmare, and her fear into love. Why'd they go so hard on this fucking IMDb <laughs> I don't synopsis? Know. Jesus Christ. Her love into fear, <laughs> obviously. I mean, they, they went so hard because, like I said a little earlier, I'm not sure uh, if we were recording yet, but this is a really famous movie. Like, this is a... If you were alive watching movies when this came out, you fucking watched it. You remember. You knew about it. It was shocking. Because, you know, there's a lot of things that go on in this movie that I don't think... Well, first of all, we hadn't allowed uh, Mark Wahlberg to be in too many things at this point. Uh, this may have been his first movie role, actually. I'm looking right now. Uh, yeah, it was. Oh, no, he was in... He had a supporting role in The Basketball Diaries, but this was his first lead role. I was going to say, I know it was uber early. I didn't know if it was, like, close to the very beginning, but... Reese Witherspoon, on the other hand, this could possibly be her first main role. Uh, she had a few supporting roles, but this was her first uh, leading role as well, so... Yeah, I mean, she's 20 here, so she definitely was in at least a few things before him. Uh, also, the guy that plays Reese Witherspoon's dad, William Peterson, uh, most people know him from CSI. Yeah, uh, I also love him from uh, Manhunter. Manhunter. Dude, he's so good in Manhunter. Uh, so I watched, I watched that for like the first time last year. It's so cheesy, but I fucking love it. Yeah, I mean, a big smack of Manhunter whenever the movie starts and you see him running. He's running just like a... It's like the same type of scene from uh, Silence of the Lambs where uh, yep. where Jodie Foster is running through the woods. Yeah, yeah, she's doing a you know a, an FBI or whatever CIA uh, obstacle course. He's just trying to... He's just pushing it to the limit. He's fun, He's out there getting that run. We just We just need to know that he's not... He's physically fit and able to defend his home. Exactly. Right. And he's an architect, but, right? Yeah, yeah, I said this to Steven. Like, I don't know why there are so many 90s movies where the dad is an architect. And the only thing I can come up with is just so they can have like an awesome house and make a justification for them having money. Architect is like the working man's man version of a doctor. If you're not like a doctor or a, or a lawyer... Then, uh, because you're like too handsy with stuff, you know what I mean? You're yeah. too like a man's man, then you're a fucking architect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're too handsy? No, architects are not like necessarily literally themselves building houses. They design houses, generally speaking, or buildings of all types. They typically start that way, though. I mean, they, they typically, I would say that they start off with. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they learn the ins and outs of it by doing it. At some point. I got to give this one to Cheats because I think it's just so, one, he would be someone that's close to the, the cutting edge of having a keypad lock on their home. And the security cameras. And having shatterproof windows. Because the movie goes, the movie ends a lot quicker if you don't have those shatterproof windows. Those windows are really insane. They're throwing these fucking boulders at them and it's not doing shit. And I'm like, it would at least crack it. <laughs> Like, come on. The movie starts out with Reese Witherspoon uh, kind of getting some flack from her dad and stepmom for wearing dr normal dresses, basically. Yeah. And uh, it was slightly low cut, but it wasn't. It's clear he's being ridiculous. His her stepmom says she looks like a slut like three times in this movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> she's like, can you, can you, Brandy was like, can you stop calling my daughter a slut? Yeah. <laughs> can you, can you maybe just stop doing that? I mean, he, he does call her out for it as soon as he finds out, but it's also like, he doesn't find it to be that, that big of a deal, obviously. Like, as if this happened for real, for realsies, I would think the fallout would be a little bit more severe than like, well, I think you used harsh, too harsh of words when you called my daughter a slut. Didn't call her a slut. Said she was dressed like a slut, or you look like a slut. <laughs> what? It's you know what? That's the English language, buddy. Every fucking time, it's a semantics. If, if if you yell at me and you use the word slut, you're calling me a fucking slut. No, absolutely not. You look like a little bitch. You you seem like a bitch to me. Are are? <laughs> I feel that. I feel that you're giving off bitch vibes. Oh no, I didn't call you a bitch. That line you delivered was like a you delivered that line like a real dumbass. You little pussy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't say you were a dumbass. I've said you sounded like a dumbass. <laughs> it's all phrasing. That's that's Red Foreman talk right there, by the way. <laughs> Dumb, calling people dumbasses. Yes, it is. Oh my gosh. So their their relationship's sort of on the fritz, like a little bit, but basically she goes to uh this bar and she sees Marky Mark playing fucking pool and giving him better, giving her better mice from across the right. Meanwhile, her friend, her best friend is into the obvious dirt bag as like, yeah, <laughs> don't you have any fucking standards? This guy isn't in shape yeah. or anything. He's just, dude, that guy was a ghoul. He looks like a straight up dirt bag. <laughs> I'm not saying he's a dirt bag. I mean, it turns out he was a dirt bag. <laughs> <laughs> he just looked like one. <laughs> this is the guy who graduates like four years ago and still goes to like high school basketball games to sell drugs to high school kids. Oh, this dude's way <laughs> long, way more than four years ago. You think? Yeah. I think like, he's just got long hair and a beard. I don't think he so, looks that old. So they established... He's not that old. Well, they, so they established Reese Witherspoon is like 16, right? Uh, and Alyssa Milano uh, is her best friend, Margot. So she's probably 16, 17. Mark Wahlberg in this, I don't know what his actual age, but the way that I took it is he's probably like... 22, 23 right? No way. No, I think he's supposed to be like 19 or 20. 19, maybe even 18. Like they said when he was 18, he was basically released. And he yeah. basically talks about how like he's now free. Yeah, okay. Like throughout the whole movie. So I'm guessing he's maybe, ni- maybe 19. He's definitely not in high school. Like no. That. With behavior like this, there's no way he made it to 22. Like before doing these things. Like he... He's just fucking psychotic, right? Away. I mean, look at their fucking house, dude. Their yeah. house is just like stereos and drum sets and all sorts of shit that people do when they're 19. Yeah, th- but this <laughs> you know I mean? this Logan dude who looks like a fucking dirtbag, this guy looks like he's almost 30 to me. Like, I think that's just the beard and hair, man. May- I, maybe. Like, yeah, it I- gets hard to tell whenever, you know, the, someone's the- dirtbagged up enough, you know? <laughs> the- <laughs> right. The point is, this guy is fucking greasy, dirty, and just unkempt as yeah, all Yeah, well, Margot, I mean, it's alluded through the whole movie that Margot fucks a lot of people. Yeah. like So, do we think that Alyssa Milano and Reese Witherspoon both read for the lead role? Because, honestly... I think Milano was probably more famous at this point. I think so, too. That's why That's why I'm thinking she probably read for the for that main role and like was cast I feel like I remember reading something about that being true actually but I don't remember exactly I'll, They I'll just seem to like you said I think at this point Alyssa Milano actually had more acting experience and she's clearly good at it and insanely hot and could very well be cast in that role I would think I would think that if you're if they're looking for people to just pretend to be teens you would get a whole bunch of them, 
and then sort out the best ones and whatever, you know, it's like top two, those are the main characters. Rest of them can be extras if they want to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it all depends on how they do the casting call and all that shit. I just feel like probably not every teen who auditioned for this auditioned for this primary role of the uh, Nicole Walker. That Reese Witherspoon ended up with. It's really funny that I brought up Fatal Attraction earlier. I was just reading in the trivia, and the director described this movie as Fatal Attraction for teens. Accurate. I mean, <laughs> gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's accurate, but when you put it that way as the director, it's like, oh, so you just saw Fatal Attraction, and you were like, they're not young enough. I want to make the young version of... They're tweens, tween this up for me. He wanted to p- put it in front of like people that would see it. Like I think that was that was the thought. Yes, of course. It. He's it's a marketing strategy. So um, Reese Witherspoon's dad is he's got these kids, aforementioned concert tickets. He they're going to go see James Taylor. Fucking Reese Witherspoon doesn't even want to go. All she is doing is just I was so mad about Mark Wahlberg. I was dick. like, I fucking love James Taylor. Why is she so <laughs> mad about seeing James Taylor? Dude, I fucking knew it. Whenever you were watching this, you're like, bitch, go see James Taylor. Fuck Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Saving, she's she's Saint Fire, she's from Saint Rain, and she's Saint James Taylor already. God damn it! She was six. Look, she doesn't even remember okay. it. <laughs> so she does fucks remember up. it. She, re- according to her, she remembers things that she didn't wasn't even there. Yeah, for. she's psychic. According every all, all teens, teen <laughs> girls, they're magic. I mean, it's just a it's an awkward line. Is is what it is. Yeah, it's poorly written and delivered. Because she's saying that she remembers everything about her own life and everyone else's. Right. It's like, well, but wait, you remember everyone else's life? Yes. Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. She's omniscient. She did, it didn't take her too long to forget that Mark Wahlberg beat the shit out of her best friend. To be fair, he didn't do a very good job beating the shit out of her best friend. He seemed completely fine, like, moments later. It was literally like... He was fine until he broke his neck like a grizzly bear. <laughs> Dude, we'll get to that. We're, we're jumping way ahead here because we have to talk about the uh, the finger blasting on the roller coaster scene. <laughs> Obviously. Like, I'm of two minds about because... One, it, it, I my, my reasoning here is uh, in result. It's like, I think at the time, you know, if if you were in this type of situation, that's probably pretty hot. But I'm saying if that sea doesn't dry, then you guys are in the wrong. <laughs> right. Because other people have to get on this fucking ride. Okay, so just just assuming that the the problem that D-Hart has with this spe- like specifically with emissions happening on this ride. <laughs> the seat needs to be dry. Forget about people that. People are using this fucking thing. Forget forget all about that because this is a fucking carnival wooden roller coaster. I've gone at it. I've come out of these things fairly sure that I slipped a fucking disc. You would not be jizzing while you're going through this thing. You would have <laughs> head trauma from. This is ridiculous. Like I'm watching the the actors actually do the stunt, and I'm like, they must have they must have just green screened this. They can't have actually filmed them on a on this roller coaster because they both would be crippled by now from the way they're sitting here. Dude, there was like a stock shot just, of the roller coaster from the side at the end and it looked like there was just two dummies sitting in the in the front seat. <laughs> <laughs> just actual laziness, just palpable. There's that. Um so she's like into him even more and then uh then Mark Wahlberg is like sees her at school and her her friend Gary puts his arm around her or something and Mark Wahlberg runs up and kicks the living shit out of Gary. <laughs> yeah. The absolute like 
not even like a like a single like punch kind of thing. Like like if this were like um, I don't know a teen sitcom where they just want to show some dude is like way over the line, it would have been like one punch, right? This is like no, he's trying to break his goddamn ribs with yeah. how hard he's kicking him. Yeah. Like dude's got some problems. You need to stop seeing him. And he kicked him for like he seriously kicked him fifteen times. No way, no way is uh, Gary walking away without a scratch, which he does. She actually ends up with a black eye. That's why he was kicking him in the ribs. That way, uh, you don't have to do makeup on the face. Fair enough. He didn't. He didn't seem injured though. Like he didn't play up the pain he must have been feeling from all of his fourteen cracked ribs. Like right. he just acted normal as shit the next day, and they just had a normal ass talk. He, she didn't ask him how he was feeling even. Like, it's fucking silly. So they, um, the dad, one of the main, unfortunately, and they, they kind of beat you over the head with it a bunch of different times, but once the dad fucks up and decides to take this, accept this trip he's being forced to go on to fucking Canada and has to cancel the James Taylor trip to go, you know, they're going to all go see James Taylor, and then he's like, no, I'm not doing it now because I have to go to work. You know, the whole the theme of the movie is if you put if you put work before your family, your daughter will immediately go fuck Mark Wahlberg. Like that's exactly what will happen. <laughs> and she gave him the house the code to the house. Oh yeah, she was like, "Come right in while I'm sleeping. Here's the code to the house. I'll probably be asleep. Come fuck me, Mark Wahlberg." Yeah. So one thing you got to give William Peterson credit for is like he's pretty fucking like. On top of things when it comes to Mark Wahlberg being a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like, he warns him a few fucking times. Yeah, he... Well, okay. I, I actually love the scene when, after they kind of... They make up, uh, Mark Wahlberg apologizes, and Reese Witherspoon's like, Oh, it's okay. And then he comes home, and he comes home, and, and he's at his fucking house. Right. Flirting with his wife, hanging out with his fucking kids, and... uh he, he, he follows him to fucking school. Yeah. And he's like, follow me around the corner. And this is where he finds out that Mark Wahlberg is a true psychopath. Like, yeah. just the shit that Wahlberg's saying to him. And William Peterson looks him dead in the fucking face. And he's like, if you come near my daughter again, I'm going to cut your balls off and shove them so far up your ass, they're going to come out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he dead eyes him right in the fucking... And Wahlberg's way more in shape than this dude is. Yeah. And clearly more psychopathic. Wahlberg's <laughs> littler, though. He's smaller. He is smaller, but he does like this. I just love the. That's one of the things I loved about this movie is this such an intimidating part of Mark Wahlberg, just like trying to be this bully fuck, mm. and William Peterson just basically like is like, "What? I'm the fucking one that you're fucking with here, dude. Yeah, <laughs> like I will legit kill you." What I hate is that they cast Mark Wahlberg for this. That's all. No, I'm just kidding. But but what I <laughs> what I hate about them casting Mark Wahlberg and Cheats Cheats alluded to it a little bit when we were talking about it in the chat on Discord. But this is of course after Mark Wahlberg has already been like convicted of trying to fucking stab out a dude's eye for racism reasons. All the more reason why he should be the crazy person in this movie because he's he was crazy. <laughs> I was gonna say that like honestly. Honestly, this is one of his better roles. You, you aren't letting me get to it. So this is very Kevin Spacey to me because Kevin Spacey, one of his like most accomplished roles is being a fucking creep dad. And turns out he's a fucking creep. 
and Mark Wahlberg is in at, literally he his character the whole thing about his character is that he seems like super fucking polite super helpful super nice and respectful like always yes sir yes ma'am whatever and then it's all bullshit it's complete bullshit he's he's just a straight up monster and that's literal real Mark Wahlberg you can tell he's bullshit just from the tone of his voice like during the uh Hey, champ, come on over here and help me out. Yay. Well, of course he can. <laughs> what? Me? No. <laughs> <laughs> Chowder. He's got one of those accents that you just simply do not encounter. Like, no one's accent is that thick. It, that on top of everything is annoying. But he's he's playing he's playing himself as a character. And it's like, oh, man, Mark Wahlberg, really? This is his breakout role. No, this is just him acting normal. Like, this is how he got away with being a felon and gouging out people's eyes, and then now he's over again in Transformers movies and shit, acting with The Rock. And it's like, no, absolutely no. I agree with Philip on this for sure. At this point in his career, uh, like with Mark Wahlberg, you know, 2022, right? Like, okay, people when they're younger do stupid things, they can change for the better. Who knows what he is, actually is right now, even though he does keep, seem kind of douchey. But it is wild to me that at this current point where it's like, okay, we know that this kid, because he's pretty young, like, tried to fucking stab someone's eyes out and did a bunch of, like, ridiculous and crazy bullshit, and he still has a career? Uh, Ferris Bueller fucking got drunk and killed somebody with his car. Yeah, it, <laughs> that too. Like... <laughs> and still had a career after that. Yeah, and also Ferris Bueller's principal was a pederast and had kitty porn and went to jail for it and still made movies after that. Listen, if you guys want a guy who plays a great creep in all of his fucking movies and he's like the nicest, most wholesome fucking guy ever, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Okay, just 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 channel all this en- energy into Kevin Bacon and say, you know what? Everyone who plays creeps isn't a creep. I thought you were going to say Christopher Walken because he was only accused of murder. But not not officially. <laughs> Kevin Bacon Kevin Bacon doesn't doesn't play a creep that much. Are you fucking he, kidding me? What? What are you talking about? He like make he makes a living off of being a pederast on TV. Or- Most of his roles are creep roles, bro. Most. Most absolutely yeah. yes. He's, I, he's done it so many times. I guess that, I'd have to see the numbers. Maybe I haven't actually watched that many of his movies i i can only think of like footloose and tremors <laughs> no <laughs> i the only one where i can think of where he's a straight up like where he's this level creep is hollow man and beyond this he can be a villain but i don't remember him ever being a straight like molester he's a uh, he's sleepers? in sleepers he, he uh, the rapes woodsmen? little children in sleepers he's also a pederast in uh i didn't watch sleepers the woodsman the woodsman yeah that- that's another one <laughs> Yeah, man, he's he's in so many movies where he is a straight up just creepzilla. I would still I would still like to go on record that to say that I believe that the vast majority of his movies he's not a creeper. The vast majority, I would say, he's not a creeper. Most of the time, I don't even think he's a villain. He does play a villain really well, though. Where I stand on that is, I think that's a coin flip. But while we're talking about creeps, let's bring it back around to the movie <laughs> to point out that William Peterson's also a creep. Is it creepy? Yeah, because remember. when when uh, Mark Wahlberg first comes, oh, in, he's like staring first, at Margot's butt. Oh, he's like, like like bent over. And not even just like he like looked at it and turned away. No, like he like looked. He like <laughs> took in the whole he, view there. I okay, so I agree with you. He was he was staring at, but one 
I'm pretty sure he was just like confused as fuck. Like he was just standing there, like, uh, uh, what, what the fuck are you Why doing? Why are all these people in my room? I kind of agree with Philip because I think he knew what was going he on. He wasn't drooling like fucking, uh, you know, Carrie Elwes's character was as soon as literally the moment he saw alicia silverstone when that was happening he immediately looked over at mark Wahlberg to see if mark Wahlberg was looking at him and Mm -hmm. he was and i think he knew at that point he was like this is kind of like a almost like a setup feeling type yeah we didn't mention it during the crush but there is a uh a very suspiciously timed uh music cue where it's like you could taste this if you want it and it's panning right over her vagina oh of course also we didn't really talk about the music of the crush at all Uh, oh because it's fucking terrible in comparison, this movie, this movie has, it's not great music, but I recognize it all. Dude, the Crush's music sucks ass. That was the first thing I wrote down in my notes. This movie has basically Bush's entire fucking 16 Stone album on it. Yeah. <laughs> also, and, uh, what's the uh, Creed too? Yeah. <laughs> the the sound mix, uh, comparing these two movies as well, like the sound mix in this was like. It didn't stand out, but it didn't seem bad. Like, I mean, it was it, fine. Most of the time when there was music, it was when there would be music. Yeah. Like when they were in the car driving well, or at the party or at the bar. I'm also talking about, when I say sound mix, I'm also talking about just for like sound effects of things. It was super loud during music during The Crush, and it was super quiet during Well, the, like during The Crush, like for example, um, there's a scene where he, he opens up a fridge and gets out a bottle of vodka and pours a glass. When it opens the fridge, the only the only thing I could like describe that sound effect as... Um, it's, it was like the sound effect like played twice, but also it's like their sound booth they're making this in was like an actual booth, yeah. And it may have had a tin wall. No, it was poor. <laughs> like it was, there were so many like sound effects of just like things happening yeah. that sounded like it was like like reverberating off of. There that. was there was a lot of editing issues. In fact, there was once where I want to say it's uh, Steve Walker's character. Reese Witherspoon's dad, William Peterson, he's talking on the phone and then he like makes his point and then slams the phone down to hang up. And uh, there's a cut between him finishing his point and then him putting down the phone. And there's, it doesn't cut away. It literally cuts to him slamming the phone down, like with the same framing and everything. And I'm like, was that was just a mistake. Like they, they can't have intended for that to be like that. It looks like shit. There's a couple of weird cuts in this movie from like scene to scene where like they'll be like focusing on like a real intense moment between Reese Witherspoon and Mark Wahlberg and then it'll cut to like William Peterson in his office on like on his phone and he's like, "Yeah, Eddie, I got it." And then he like hangs up the phone and then that's the entire scene and it cuts back. Yeah. That's all of it. That was the cutaway. Yeah, it cuts back to the to the intense thing and it's like, "What what is the purpose of that? Like yeah. why?" Okay, I think that I I think I know what you're talking about, and I think that was to show that uh, he'd set the he'd he'd uh, set the clock back half hour. Uh, this one I'm talking about is where he was in his work office, like at work, and uh, he was talking to Eddie on the phone or whatever, and he was just like, "Yeah, okay, fine." The edit that I mentioned, he was also in the office there, and I I actually remember the one you're talking about, Stephen. Now that you brought it up, because it was almost right after that. It was like maybe. A few moments or it felt super just shoved in there for no reason like i've no it didn't even like it was like three seconds long i was like what the fuck was the point of that there was some amateurish editing in general going we can't move past the part though whenever william peterson does confront him and then he does the the mark Wahlberg from fear thing yeah where he just starts punching his own fucking chest to bruise it 
which of course is parodied in uh, It's Always Sunny in yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, she's doing the Mark Wahlberg from Fear! Dude, The it, it's clear that the writers, which are the stars also of It's Always Sunny, like grew up watching this fucking genre because there's multiple, like in The Crush, for instance, there's the beehive that she literally puts in a box and then uses as a weapon. And that's a literal plot in uh, an episode of It's Always Sunny. The box is marked with an H for hornets. So you know it's hornets. (laughs) To me, that's, it's definitely referencing the crush. And then they reference this all the time too. I mean, like I said, this was a, Fear was a fucking cultural touchstone. Like everybody fucking saw fear. It was. It kicked off two massive careers, man. Like, and also like how how many movies have you seen where a sixteen year old gets finger blasted on a fucking roller coaster? <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. happen. Especially when we were like 12, 10, 12 when it came out. Like yeah. I said, I saw this movie really I, way I would, too fucking young. I would have been. Six I didn't on this see movie it then. Though. Luckily, yeah. I definitely did. When I was that age, of course, I thought both Alicia Silverstone and Reese Witherspoon were incredibly hot. You know, yeah. because I was that I was a teenager. You know what I mean? Yeah, doy. You're supposed to. Also, this movie kind of like goes hard because like, uh, Mark Wahlberg gets back at uh, William Peterson by fucking up his car. Another similarity these two movies have. Uh, well, it's just the first step in the Psycho Handbook. Fuck with the car. Yep. It's outside. You can literally just walk right up to it. Anyone can. Reese Witherspoon catches Mark Wahlberg uh, essentially raping Margot. Yep. Uh, and blames Margot. Not essentially anything. She literally is screaming and he's like pulling her hair and being like, I'm going to go rape you now. And just picks her the fuck up. It's really fucked up how Reese Witherspoon just blames Margot. You feel really bad for Alyssa Milano's character yeah. in this movie. Like, Dude, they show her seeing this happen. They literally show her seeing Alyssa Milano getting dragged away. They show it. And she literally blames her for it. All's forgiven by the end. I'm like, what? what is the disconnect here? This is a very 90s thing. Along with also being very 90s, they, they show Alyssa Milano smoking crack. Uh, which, just a, a, just as a, a reminder for anyone that you know doesn't know, like especially during the 80s... Smoking and, crack rules. Well, 80s and 90s, like the government quite literally paid like film companies extra money to show people smoking crack and then making it seem horrible. Because crack is whack. Yeah. You know? um, Do you want to make crack look good? <laughs> What's the problem here? Could it be... Do we want to encourage crack smoking? No, I, I know that. We, they don't make it look good. They show you smoke crack. It's, it's just like whenever they showed you if you cancel James Taylor, your daughter will fuck Mark Wahlberg. Once you go crack, you get raped. And your best, and your best friend blames you for it. Yeah. Yeah. You, that's still you don't, even don't a, smoke crack. Don't go down there. I think in some like movies and shows now where it's like someone will see somebody in like a bad situation that they get forced into that is completely against their will. Like in varying levels of severity. Okay, this is pretty severe. So let me just tell you something real quick, Cheats, to interrupt you. That shit happens all the time in real life. And, and, Literally constantly. And it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But that is just how stupid people work. Yeah. And there are a lot of stupid people. Many. It's not that I think it's unrealistic that Reese Witherspoon would have blamed Alyssa Milano for this. The thing that I think is... Is, is strange is that they would make us dislike Reese Witherspoon, the main character, in this moment. Like, yeah, Reese, you're a, you're one of the worst possible kinds of friends. You are trash. <laughs> right, right. 
Like I, she ran and jumped in her car, and I'm like, oh, good, she's gonna go get help. And then she just goes home and cries about it. And I'm like, what the fuck? Ah! Yeah. So Mark Wahlberg just shows up to the school again, which this is all crazy in itself, by the way, yeah. because why does this guy keep just being able to show up in the hallways at the school? Look, before Columbine, you could just walk into any high school. You could just walk in. You know that's true. You could do that in our high school. <laughs> it's true. So she freaks out. She's like, get away from me. And that's where Gary steps in. And he was like, dude, you just need to fucking chill. And this is this kind of leads to the part where D-Hart was talking about earlier, where Mark Wahlberg follows Gary as he's walking home from school. And like, chases him like a, like a fucking wild animal through the woods. A goddamn gazelle. And dude, the neck snap is straight memorable yeah. in this movie. Like, It happens so fast. It's like you blink and you've, you've missed the whole entire thing. This guy doesn't even stand a chance against Mark Wahlberg. This guy is a grade A pussy compared to Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, well, we saw them fight earlier, didn't we? This guy should have yeah. had at least a knife on him. Something. Since, since he got his ass beat by this exact same guy, not days ago. Yeah, remember a week ago when you got jumped right in front of the school? Maybe you should take the fucking wooded path home, you <laughs> dumbass moron. Victim blaming, I know, but... Come the hell on. Like, use your common sense. Oh, you're being stalked? Why not hang out in a dark alley? He gets his neck snapped like a fucking glow stick. Yeah. Like, it's just straight up like... <laughs> it sounds like one, too. It does. It's straight up like... <laughs> and you're just like, wow. Okay, he just murdered the shit out of that guy. Yep. In the meantime, to get back at, uh... For getting his car fucked up, William Peterson goes to their fucking sh- shitty living space. It's It's the uncle of one of the cronies or whatever. And he just finds a ridiculous shrine with, like, a crazy poster with Reese Witherspoon's face on, like, a, a savior or something. I don't even remember what it was. It was really stupid. Yeah. He also finds, like, a family photo that Mark Wahlberg, like, swiped. And he just cut out William Peterson's face and just put his own face well, on like, it. Oh, and also David's girl. He fucked, he, he fucked with her bracelet that said Daddy's Girl. And, like, right. crudely rewrote it. Like, imagine the effort. He's got out his Dremel and his little tools. So, like, I get the picture, because the picture was crudely done and the bracelet was crudely done, but he would have totally had to go to, like, a fucking Kinko's or something to get this, like, print made that was framed and up on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually his, uh, they didn't really get into it that much, but he was the graphic designer of the drug cartel, so. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's why. He's <laughs> he's in charge of packaging. He actually had all the software necessary to, to pull that yeah, off. that 1996 <laughs> software oh, to do that. Yeah, there was we, Photoshop in 1996. It just was a piece of shit. We also see Mark Wahlberg give himself a really bad tattoo that just says Nicole forever. Dude, that's one of my favorite <laughs> fucking Dude, things. Dude, that's the best part Nicole of the movie. Nicole forever is the dumbest shit, because I actually remember people in high school in... I don't know if you did cheats, but people in our high school and middle school did this shit all the time. Mm. And they cut themselves with paper, paper clips and just rub ink on their fucking arms to make little shitty, shitty tattoos. Prison tattoos. <laughs> yeah. This is how it's done. Also, I'm going to I'm gonna hard disagree with you, Philip, on saying this is the best part of the movie. Because we haven't got to the best part yet, but we're, we're, we're saving it. <laughs> yeah. We, at, least, at least... Well, yeah, the, the climax is the best part. That's why... That's why this movie is remembered forever and always. The insanity of it. Besides besides the finger blasting, obviously. They decide they're going to fuck up William Peterson's house now. And, they're and of course, Mark Wahlberg's like, Nicole forever, so don't mess with Nicole. Yeah. And uh, William Peterson's uh, son, along with... with um, I can't remember his wife's name. I think it was Lauren. Yeah, it was Lauren. Yeah. Um, their, their son, Toby, this 
this poor fucking kid. He's traumatized, traumatized for life. Yeah. For life. Like no, this kid was a psycho already. He was we fine. saw it. We saw it time and again. He saved the day. Why was he a psychopath? Because he walked around blowing on a dog whistle constantly? No. <laughs> well, first of all, yes, because that's fucked up. Like it, that that the reason that dogs come to you when you blow that whistle is because it hurts like really bad. And he's just like blowing it as hard as he can straight in the dog's face. <laughs> And so that's fucked up. Like we're getting towards, but then Mark Wahlberg and and friends chop off his dog's head and huck it through a fucking yeah. doggy door, which is insane. Yeah, which is one of the other insane things about this movie. We've got the one one two three punch with the finger blasting, the dog's head being chopped off, and then the end, the end uh, climax. Which I won't it may be the yet. most memorable dog death I can remember. Like think of in any movie well it's either that or needful things or i think it's needful things there's a i'm pretty sure there was like a series or something i don't really the thing the thing obviously but that's kind of different yeah uh yeah that's not the same thing at all not the same thing at all it's not the same the thing at all so um this kid just stares at the the severed dog head he just stares at it he's like cool that's a cool dog head and then later he runs a, a man over without hesitation he's like oh there's a man there I'll kill him. I mean, he deserves it. If people are, are yeah, <coughs> if people are trying to break into your house and they know that you're there, they're there for violence. They're not there to to take something and leave. I support his decision to run this man over, but he was not that mad about. It. He was like, "I'll just run his ass over," and he fucking. To does. be fair, he probably thinks that that's the guy that killed his dog because he threw the dog head through the fucking uh, through the doggy door, and then he stuck his head through, and he was like, "I'm gonna get you." <laughs> Or whatever. Yeah, but it doesn't... He doesn't... The way they do the acting, he's doing this all... And it's probably just because he's a little kid. But whenever he's doing this acting... He's just a bad actor, really. It makes him seem like a psycho. Because he just he just looks in the mirror, sees the guy, and just goes... Shifts into reverse. Slams on the gas and just, like, watches it happen. He's, like, fascinated. He, like, very calmly sneaks out of the house. Gets into the vehicle... Uh, is trying to call 911. The dude shoots the window out. The kid leans down. Again, no hesitation. There's no panic. He is just straight up in murder bot mode. Dude, he's John Wick. He's straight <laughs> yeah. John Wick's this motherfucker. This is normal. He killed his dog and then he fucking murdered him. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what happens. Were you guys weirded out when Alyssa Milano walked up to the little boy and was like, when are you going to get older so I can ravage you? Yeah. <laughs> that... That was the, if you were 10 years older, yeah. from fucking Carrie Elwes earlier. It's like, why is everybody trying to fuck kids in these movies? <laughs> well, I mean, if he's 10 years older, he's going to be like 14. because yeah, he's four. <laughs> uh, it's a joke. Yes, but it, it, <laughs> it doesn't matter because he's a little kid. Like he's, like, he's like 10 or maybe 11 or 12. Maybe 11 or 12. Yeah, she's not serious. Yeah, I know, but still, goddamn. It's weird. It's still not a. It's not an alright thing to say in jest or not in jest. Stop, stop pitching the idea of. Well, if only you were older. If we could find a way to do that, I'd fuck you. <laughs> if this was it's big, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying to you. Like it's like they're trying to wish it into existence, and that's not a thing you should spend time doing. The movie yeah. big, not his dick, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The movie Big, not his dick. Dick is also named Big. That's why the confusion. They're trying to break in. Laura fucking drills one dude's hand and he just pieces the fuck out. Yeah. Like this guy's like, I got my fucking hand drilled. We gotta pee. We gotta go. He He ends up being the only one that leaves, too. Yeah, because he was the marginally smart one. Reese Witherspoon signals the guard. He comes down and gets shot, so they get guns now. 
Uh, I guess they had a single gun uh, still. Yeah, they had one. <clears throat> Which is weird. It seems like if you've got a gun and everything's impenetrable, try gun. That's <laughs> the, the no-brainer, you'd think, but guess not. Because of this, they're able to take William Peterson hostage, and they get like fully into the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, it's like Mark Wahlberg and the, goes fuck. Yeah, it's like a dirtbag dude. <laughs> and dirtbag is that dude. like the sequel to Dirtbike Kid, the dirtbag dude? Yeah, uh, <laughs> dirtbag dude like tries to rape uh, Reese Witherspoon. Mark Wahlberg's like, nope, blows his brains out. Well, yeah, he doesn't give a shit about that guy. No, not he even just gives him a place to stay. He 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 is. He never did. No, not at all. Yeah, he he is straight up just. He is completely obsessed, and, like, he gets ready to kill William Peterson, and, like, Reese Witherspoon, like, screams at him enough to, like, get him distracted, because he's just like, listen, I, I gotta do this, I don't know I don't know why you're yelling at me, and he's just like, this is the only way we can be together, uh, and we, we get this, like, we get this insane scuffle, like, William Peterson's out of his handcuffs, they're, like, fighting back and forth. Reese Witherspoon stabs him with a fucking peace pipe. Yeah. Like, bad, too. You can see in his face, he's just like, holy shit, that hurt. Yeah. Like, that well, fucking hurt. It, it's, like a, it's like a shitty wooden one from a fair, so yeah. you know this thing's, like, not, like, very durable. Right. And she's able to just stick him, like, completely in the back. Yeah. Yeah, that's unrealistic. That that would have just simply broken. Like, it wouldn't have stabbed into him. If this were a modern fair, that'd be made out of plastic, and it would have shattered completely in her hand. She looked at it sideways. She would have stabbed him with it, and he would have been like, Ow! Owie! You, you, you gouged me hard. It really hurt. But we get to the, now to the best part of the movie, where William Peterson and Mark Wahlberg are fighting, and they are beating each other with the room well, that he, they're in. Mark Wahlberg's trying to get William Peterson with that, that neck, neck break. Neck, yeah. He's trying to get the, his signature move off, <laughs> yeah. and he can't, he can't do it. And, well, because he's not messing with a, like a, an extremely ineffectual, weak child this time. <laughs> right. And poor Gary just had no chance in hell. Fucking William Peterson is able to get the upper hand, like behind Mark Wahlberg, and he like spins and like it's like not quite an overhead throw, but it's like a hammer throw almost, and he throws him through this fucking window, and it, no shit, it's like fifty feet into the air, like thirty feet out. And then he just crashes on these fucking rocks that are next this, to this river. This has been a scene I have adored and laughed at since the first time I ever saw this. Movie. I watched it, rewound it, and watched it again. Yeah, it is it is fucking amazing. This dude flies. They imply like you know that there's a pool outside, and the they show this wide shot, and they're kind of like, oh, he might land somewhere where it's safe, and then they have him land on this gigantic fucking slab of stone, and he just smashes into pieces. He doesn't smash into pieces, but you know. Well, you could tell that his neck wanted to pop. <laughs> he's not in good shape. <laughs> I don't know how, but I knew there were chunks. I knew it. I knew it in my mind. There were the sound of chunks. Well, that's because that's because his bones are powder now yeah. that he hit the It was very rock. reminiscent of the end of The Good Son. Yeah. Where Macaulay Culkin fucking hits that rock. Like, you know, <laughs> like, po- points points for the dummy throw, because we all know that I love love dummies being thrown. It just zooms into Mark Wahlberg, and he is, like, bleeding out of, like, every hole in his face. Like, bone b- bones powdered. Organs jellied. He's done. Peace pipe in the back. Yeah. They had a chance to uh, kind of foreshadow this. Had they been playing uh, Mortal Kombat instead of what looked like a Street Fighter game. Yeah, it was It was one of the Street they Fighter games. They could have 2s. done the pit, the pit fatality. Yeah, toasty. 
No, I'm just saying like the regular episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, D-Hart's, D-Hart's calling forth the, the memories of original Mortal Kombat, where if you uppercutted somebody in the right stage, you'd fly off of the cliff, land on like 9,000 spikes. And it's like the worst, most heinous way to die, everyone knows, is to be is to land on an into a pit of spikes. That's the worst. And then the movie just ends. And that's it. Well, yeah, because we got what we wanted. Mark Wahlberg thrown off a cliff. All right. Diggity scale. God, I never planned to ever watch these movies. I had seen fear. For the crush, I'm going to give the crush the low end of a fair amount. Uh, I think it pretty much tells its story like correctly. I don't think any of the acting was bad. I think that the story is kind of stupid. And the and the characters are pretty insufferable, like all of them. Yeah. But I don't think they do. I think that's the point. Yeah. I think they all do a, a good job. Um, it's not very good. Like it's not a very yeah. good movie, but it's fine. And you get some you get some laughs out of it. I think. Yeah, I'm in agreement on that. Like I like I was saying earlier, I think the sound mixing is really awful in yeah. this movie. But yeah, I mean, my main thing is just like the stories. The story's kind of dumb, but it's not like a dumb fun. It's just kind of like, man, all these guys are like, all these people are stupid. And I like, didn't really find myself like waiting for it to be over. Yeah, you know, I wasn't like, because honestly, I didn't remember the ending. Yeah, the last thing I remembered was her framing him. And yeah, that, that was the last thing that I remember seeing from the fir- first time that I'd seen it. So like, the end part was actually kind of a new experience for me. But um, yeah, it had its issues. But overall, I'll say I'll say a fair amount. Yeah. I, I'm I'm agree with that. I give it a slight rise. I hated everyone. I know that's the that's the idea here is that we're supposed to that nobody's really supposed to be the character we root for. I'm just you know make a movie full of characters I hate. I'm not going to have that good a time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I sort of feel like that Carrie Elwes was meant to be a character we were supposed to root for during the times, but I feel like looking back at it, we were like, we're like it might be the Mrs. Doubtfire syndrome, where yeah, it's like you look right. back and you're like, no, you know, Robin Williams's character was a full blown psychotic in that movie. Like <laughs> nobody would do what he does, and it's it's not cute. It's not like oh, but his heart's in the right place. No, he's fucking crazy, and so is. You know, serious, so is Carrie Elwes for acting the way he acts. He's a fucking idiot. Um, at best, he's a he's a molester. At best. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a slight rise. Cause I fucking want to see this movie. It sucked. <laughs> yeah. There was the awesome Kamehameha punch, so. Yeah, I'm putting it there on the line between slight rise and, right, and fair. Yeah. Nothing else to add. Yeah, I think we're all kind of the same on that. Like. D Hart, Steven and me are like it's on that line of just like it's it's just good enough to not be horrible, I guess. Uh I agree with Philip though and just like it's just bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone did their job. I think they were all supposed to do what they did in the movie. I don't blame Carrie Elwes for this. I blame whoever wrote it. It's stupid. I might blame Carrie Elwes's casting agent. Yeah. Because he shouldn't have been in this. I mean it was a lead role though, man. You yeah, know? know? Like I can't I don't blame him at all. If it's a lead role, it's a fucking lead role. And he wasn't really doing many lead roles in his career. For Fear, it's going like right in the middle of just enough. I actually like this movie quite a bit. Mark Wahlberg is so fucking insufferable. Everything he says, I'm just like, shut up, Mark Wahlberg. Shut the fuck up. But but he makes for a really good villain. Like, yeah. he does. He's he's a fucking psychopath in this movie, and he plays it really well. He, he doesn't make he doesn't make for a really good villain. Steven. He, he is a yes. villain. He doesn't play a psychopath. He fucking is one. If you've ever wanted to gouge out someone's eyes because you hated them so much for not being white, you were a fucking villain. 
Mr. Let me restate that to say that this is one of Mark Wahlberg's best roles. For sure, it is, because it's closest to real-life Mark Wahlberg, especially at this time. Right, and I think the movie was well-directed, you know, it had a Mm -hmm. few problems, but, like, the soundtrack was super fitting for the time period that it came out in. It was intense. Not generic. It wasn't generic. There was a fucking awesome fucking heaving throw at the end. You got to see a prop dog's head. Fucking dude got his neck snapped straight off of his head. Or straight off his body, like dude, Gary's neck snapped so fucking hard. <laughs> like he said, it was a goddamn glow stick. It made that really satisfying glow stick snapping sound, where you're like, "Oh yeah, I did it." It was a snap into a slim Jim sound. <laughs> yes, he snapped into a slim Gary. Uh, I'm gonna give it a fair amount. I think that I think there's a lot going on in this that became iconic, and uh, for good reason. It's because it's a very shocking movie to watch. Especially, I'm sure, at this time, it was pr- probably pretty fucking shocking. But we're going to just go with a fair amount of diggity for me. I, I don't think it's... Uh, I don't think it's aged all that well. I'm going just enough. This ends the way every home invasion movie wants you to... You want it to end? Yeah. But there really weren't very many home invasion movies at this point. That's fair. Yeah. True. D-Hart's, D-Hart's a slut for, uh, for, for siege movies. He just is. Like, that's just a fact. It's established. We all know a it. A siege movie isn't necessarily home invasion. It's not. But, but I, I know that. I'm saying a different statement unrelated. This is a, this, I would say this, this passes as a siege movie because they're, there's a, a certain amount of time when they know that they're outside and they're trying to hold the line. Yeah, they hold them off for a while. It's probably 10 minutes. Maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. just a little less, but like. That counts. That's a siege right there. There's a lot more time with them outside than there is with them in there. I kept looking at the time, which makes the sense. time scale, because I was like, "How much? How could they possibly wrap this up?" And it's like, "Oh, I know how they'll wrap it up. They'll have the little kid be a psycho and just run a motherfucker the fuck over, and then we'll have Mark <laughs> Wahlberg start executing his own team, and then that'll eliminate the bad guys pretty quick. They'll be gone." Uh, and yeah, they, they, they wrapped it up and it was quite satisfying. I agree. I just disagree that Mark Wahlberg should be in movies at all. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go just enough with the caveat that I 100% agree with Philip. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also giving this just enough because like, I do think this is a good movie all around. But this is not necessarily a movie that's like in my wheelhouse of movies I'm going to like pull out for someone. If someone's like, what do you think of this movie? I'm be like, it's good. Do I necessarily want to watch it again? Nah. Dude, erotic thrillers have almost no replay value. Yeah. Like, just as a genre in general. Like, yeah. <laughs> they are the string cheese of snacks. Most thrillers can't go beyond two watches. And that's if that's only if, like, there's a reveal somewhere in, in the end, or in either at the end or near the middle. It's like, oh, okay, now I can go back and rewatch it and see the the breadcrumbs that they were leaving you the whole time, you know? With that being said, that kind of makes my point that this is kind of a, a standout in that genre because the rewatch value for this movie is pretty fucking high. Yeah, amongst amongst the genre, I'm sure that it is. Um, oh, this is the first time I saw it. Because so. there's, there's quite a bit. There's a lot in here to unpack. It's not like it's... I guess it's not really... This movie doesn't have bad writing. The Crush has bad writing. But this this movie has other problems. And also technical problems, like we discussed, like just general editing issues where the sound doesn't quite sound right, and there's edits of you. You never cut. It's a known thing. You don't cut from 
a one shot to that same shot again slightly later in the acting. I wanted to ask you, Philip, if Mark Wahlberg wasn't a piece of shit person, like publicly, like if you if you completely separated art from artist here, how would you feel about this? I movie? think it is ridiculous to think you can separate an art from an artist. I think that people who say that are are just delusional. I was asking if you can. So what? I guess I would just wonder if he was actually fucking crazy because he does a great job being crazy because he's fucking crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it all the time. I'm always like, Oh man, that, that performance was great. And then it turns out that motherfucker is a real ass creep. It's like, well, what do you know? Turns out pedophiles can pretend to be pedophiles. It's just, I guess it's difficult for me to, to judge a movie based on like the acts of one of the people that, were in the movie that have really nothing to do with the movie. Like, I get what you're saying because I don't like watching him. I mean, in if, if he had if he had gouged out a Korean man's eyes in this movie, do you think you would have been like, well, that's got nothing to do with with when he did it in real life? It's like, no, of course it's not, not the same thing. Number one, but number two, it's a different psychotic act. What I'm saying. What I'm saying is a movie is a whole fucking bunch of different people. You know what I mean? Like, Mark Wahlberg doing something ten years prior to this movie has nothing to do with the insane crew that worked on this movie. You know what I mean? So it's hard for me to say, I don't like this movie because Mark Wahlberg is is a piece of shit in real life. That's just the breaks. I'm sorry. That's that's just the, the Gary's next breaks. Because... I'm, it's, it's a bummer. I'm sorry for the crew and cast that they had to be in a movie with Mark Wahlberg, (laughs) especially then. Like it sucks that they chose that path and that probably unbeknownst to them that Mark Wahlberg is a for real crazy person. And then, you know, I, I get that you're like, oh, but what about the other art? It's like, well, no, most of what I see in the movie is Mark Wahlberg. What, what I'm seeing is this man who's a fucking piece of shit. So... I don't know what you want out of me. Like, if he was a minor part, you know what I mean? Like, it's Kevin Spacey being in the moon, where he is one of the only characters, but at least I don't have to fucking see him. And he's playing a good guy, at least. Which is... He, he does make good uh, hamburger sauce, though, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the Wahlberg sauce. I'm sure he makes it all personally. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. All right, guys. Uh, if you want to tell your friends about us, they can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, uh, pretty much any other major podcast platforms. Uh, if you want to hit us up with some feedback, find us on Twitter at MPM Podcast or on Facebook and Twitter at Motion Picture Meltdown. Uh, and listen to some other podcasts from friends of ours like Nerdonomy, uh, Sorry to Waste Your Time, and Code Yellow, a Scare Actors Podcast. I've been one of your hosts, Stephen Ross Rosenberg. Phil the Kill Collins. Cheats the Streets McGee. Andy Hart. Yeah, <laughs>